The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. There she is, the iconic voice, Esther Lynn, welcoming you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. Hope you all enjoyed the UFC 259 press conference as we are less than 48 hours away from this massive event going down at the Apex in Las Vegas. And speaking of that, as you may have seen, Jose Yarn reigning between the links champion. He's in Las Vegas providing coverage. So he is off the panel this week. So we're going to have ourselves a good old fashioned number one contenders matchup this week on the program. A lot to discuss. It's been a crazy news week. Of course, the pay-per-view coming up. So let us introduce the combatants first. I got to say, I saw on Instagram that this gentleman called for an opportunity to face our champion. So it made sense. Let's throw him in the fire to earn that opportunity. He's been a guest in the A-side many of time. He's very active over at the Body Lock MMA. Let us say hello to Mr. Matthew Wells. How are you, sir? What's up, guys? How's it going? Yeah, I was. Uh, I thought I was getting called out by Jose, but apparently he was like too scared and he wanted to go do something like cover a live event or something. So I got <laughs> thrown into the mix with, you know, I guess the the most feared man in MMA on the other side. You know, so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> I love it. So I got my uh, my sources incorrect. Jose actually called for you. So that's good. Nice seeing the champion call it a challenger for a change. It's a beautiful thing. Now, here's the thing. I, I will say this. Jed Mishu was supposed to be the opponent, but unfortunately, he is not feeling hot today. And ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we need a hero. And there has been no bigger hero in the history of this program 
than the Prince of Positivity himself. He has stepped up on many occasions on hours notice to fill some holes, and he's doing it again this week. What a guy, the co-host of On to the Next One. He'll be the lead voice of the UFC 259 weigh-in show tomorrow. My best friend and yours, Mr. Alex Kaylee. How are you, sir? Hello, my best friend. Uh, listen, I have been once again sent here to do Jose and Jet's dirty work. This is not the first time. Uh, I guess hosted the A-Side yesterday. You guys can find that in MMA Fighting on our MMA Fighting YouTube page. Uh, I am here to fill in, and I'm very excited about getting a number one contender's opportunity again. People thought I was out of contention, Mike, but I've been I've been building my resume back up on the regional scene. I've been randomly BTLing people on the streets. No judges <laughs> needed. Just, just straight finishes. No judges. And I know you guys are like, how do you do BTL without a judge? It's like, no, it's not needed. I'm just, I'm just taking people out randomly with MMA trivia on the streets. And uh, and I couldn't be more excited that it's with Matt. Matt is uh, one of the first people I met in the MMA industry. I had to look back. UFC 206 in Toronto, uh, Holloway versus Pettis. And uh, I was tagging along as a little as a little newbie with him and James Lynch and some others, just trying not to trip over my own feet and embarrass myself. So always grateful to Matt and, and uh, happy to see him. Happy to see him around. This is the friendliest uh, competition we've ever had here on Between the Links, and that's a good thing. 48 hours away, some good juju in the air from <laughs> UFC 259. And that's where we're going to begin, ladies and gentlemen. A lot to not just like about UFC 259, but love on the card this weekend. But before we get into the specifics, the press conference just wrapped up with Dana White, all six competitors in the title fights, Jan Bohovic, Israel Adesanya, Amanda Nunes, Megan Anderson, Piotr Jan, and Aljamain Sterling. No Leon Edwards and Bilal Muhammad, but Dana White did say both guys are okay. Fight's going to go on to schedule next weekend. Uh, but AK, let, let us begin with you before we get into like the pressing topics of the event and the week. Were you entertained by the press conference? Did it en- enhance your excitement for Saturday? Did anything really stick out to you coming from that press conference? That's Mike, that's a no and a yes for me. I, I was not entertained per se. It, it, I, I will not lie to people and say this was like the most entertaining press conference. It was not a lot of like head to head trash talk, that kind of stuff, uh, like really super memorable quotes that kind of came out of it. There's some good moments, but like as far as like, you know, headline grabbing quotes, I don't know. It might have been shorter than that. But I like that. But it did enhance my uh, my level of excitement for Saturday because people got to ask good questions. People were answering, giving good answers. Uh, it was a very thoughtful. Well, but it wasn't boring. It was. I, I'm not saying it was super entertaining. I wouldn't call it boring either. We've had we've had boring press conferences, so I'm not I'm not calling it one of those. Uh, I think I, I'm glad a lot of people got to show their personality. Uh, you know, and look, some people have bigger personalities than others, but. Peter, Peter Jan got some time, Amanda Nunez got some time, Megan Anderson got some time, Izzy is always making sure he gets time. Uh, and outside of poor Aljo trying to trying to start a little bit of trash talk <laughs> with Jan, which again, there was, you know, there was some a little bit of stuff about like, oh, a mouse, oh, you're a mouse, I'm chasing a mouse. It wasn't the worst thing. But really, for the most part, people just stuck to who they were uh, and got to show that. And I hope that if, if anyone was seeing these people for the first time, that they appreciate uh, those personalities. So no, look, it's, it's it was light on controversy. A little light on information from Dana White regarding some certain certain things, but he did address, I guess, like Hamzad and wanting to hold a card in Texas, apparently. But kind of leave Texas to our expert, to our expert. But I'll say I thought it was a good press conference. I, I came in with it feeling very positive and looking forward to uh, to tonight. I don't know how many more buys it's going to add, but I thought I thought it did its job. Matt, what did you think of the press conference? And the, the other burning question: Why did Dallas say no to Dana White? Texas is open. UFC wants to put some fans in a stadium. Apparently, as soon as that happened, Dana White called everybody in Texas. Dallas said no. 
Why do you think they said no? Um, I think they said no because, you know, we still have basketball going on over here. You know, American Airlines is where they usually hold events when they come to Dallas. And I'm sure, you know, Mark Cuban wasn't, wasn't ready to, you know, make something happen for the UFC just yet. So, you know, I, I, I can understand it. And, and believe it or not, despite, you know, the uh, I guess the expectation of, of the usual Texan, Dallas area is very blue on the political spectrum. So <clears throat> it makes sense. It makes sense. I, I could see I could see an area like Houston, you know, hosting this event or whenever that may happen, because, uh, you know, they, they just really do things a lot differently down in Houston. Uh, no disrespect to, to my man Casey over there or anything like that. But um, as far as the press conference goes, it was it was cool, man. And, and look what we expect from press conferences. Right. You know, Alex said that there was no controversy. Like we expect this to be like some WWE promo or something like that. Like it was a news conference. You know, everybody answered the questions, went about their business. And, you know, we, we got the answers that we were looking for for the most part. Uh, some interesting things were said. You know, obviously, we found out Glover is going to be the backup. Um, confirmed that news. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty cool, I guess. But yeah, I mean, when it, when a press conference is expected to have like moments like Kevin Lee punching Michael Chiesa or something like that. Nah, I mean, this was very, very mild compared to those things. I think the best moment of the entire press conference was uh, Jose Young's getting shout outs for his sick shirt from the champ and, yeah. and Megan Anderson as well. Uh, what kind of shirt was he wearing? Of, what was it? Some sort of some sort of cartoon, some sort of cartoon with some Bugs Bunny or something. What's <laughs> what? I don't I don't watch cartoon and this anime. You know, I, I, I said what my favorite anime was yesterday on, on the A side. Uh, L.A.'s Finest starring Gabrielle Union and Jessica Alba, the greatest anime ever made. Uh, what was the shirt, Mike? Do you know what, what our, our dear uh, Jose was wearing? No Dragon idea. Ball, yeah. Dragon Ball, <laughs> Na, Naruto, Naruto, Ranma. I don't know. I'm just making stuff. I don't even know if those are real shows. I don't even know. AK's BTLing anime fans around the world right now on BTL. This is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. But back to, you know, the main event in Saturday. Jan Bohovic, Matt, makes his first title defense against Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, the last style bender. Gets his chance to join that elite group of dual champions in UFC history. He's a pretty good-sized favorite heading into Saturday. Blahovich has been outstanding as of late. Very interesting matchup, no doubt about it. But when it comes to Adesanya, Matt, yeah, there's there's a lot of stake here. The chance to become a two-division champion, join that shortlist, right? But Jan Blahovich gets a high-profile slot for his first title defense. So let's take the hardware out of the equation, Matt. What's at stake for both of these guys in terms of what could be gained legacy wise with the win on Saturday night, man, there, there's a ton at stake here. And for Izzy's sake, obviously the, the daring to be great, the taking on two divisions, proving that weight doesn't matter. Like I've been a, a strong proponent over the years of saying that, you know, weight doesn't win fights, fighting wins fights. So when these guys cut 30 and 40 pounds just to make a weight class and, you know, end up losing still, it's just, it's never been something that made a lot of sense to me. So the fact that Izzy has the opportunity to go up and prove his skills can translate divisions, uh, a 15 pound jump, no less, um, is, is, is a huge thing, um, or 20 pound jump rather, is a huge thing because skills pay the bills at the end of the day. Izzy is, a, is the most precise, accurate striker that we have in the UFC today. So he can go out there and put his paws on, on Jan Blachowicz and and be quick enough to dart out of the way of that that quote-unquote Polish power 
that that led uh, you know Blahovich to the t- to the title with that knockout over uh, over Dominic Reyes. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because it it really is a, a speed versus power thing, and we always love to see matchups where it's where it's styles clash, right? Both both guys are strikers here. I think the most interesting thing is going to be going to be uh, does Jan try to engage in the clinch a lot? Does he try to make it a dirty fight in that manner? Because if he lets Izzy just get out there and style on him, it's it's going to be an ugly night for him. Um, and it, it could be, you know, one of those fights that goes on in, into deep waters with because because Jan's a tough dude. Like he's he's not going out of any fight really easily. So it's very interesting. And for Jan, he has the opportunity to prove that. Yeah, I'm I'm really the champ here because, like you said, this is his first title defense, and his first title defense is a, is against a guy from a lighter weight class. So he really has a lot to prove here, saying that, hey, don't don't try to try to come up here and, and think you can just take my belt from me. Like I'm the guy now. I should be fighting John Jones, or I should be fighting, you know, the Glover Teixeiras of the world, who's the backup now. So there there's really a lot at stake for both men here. You know, Jan wants to defend his place as title as as the champion. Izzy doesn't want to be that guy to to dare to be great, to lose a fight, and then come back and have to defend his title off of a loss. That's just not a good look. AK, what do you think about, you know, the sort of legacies at stake for whoever wins this fight? And let me sort of add to this. If Jan Bohovich goes out there and beats Israel Adesanya on Saturday, does he get the rub? Like, does he become a star all of a sudden? Or is does he just take like a, a step forward, maybe? <sighs> You know, I, I wish MMA worked like that. I, I wish it was as simple as you beat someone and, and then, you know, you take their shine. But I think we've seen that's that's not always the case. I mean, I'm trying to think of some good examples. I, I mean, I feel like Demetrius Johnson uh, as someone who beat everybody. Uh, and and I think when he, I thought when he beat Cejudo the first time, I thought like, okay, maybe this is the one, you know, Cejudo had, uh, it hadn't quite become the king of cringe yet. Uh, but was certainly had that reputation of being an Olympic champion, and you know was a little bit more of a of a natural rival for Demetrius. And I thought that was a few that put Demetrius over the top, and somehow it, it just didn't work out that way. And it took a long time for for uh, Cejudo to rebuild, and and didn't help help uh, Demetrius Johnson that much for whatever reason. So I I don't know. I, I wish I wish I could say there was that transference. There was you know uh, Jan Blahovich. He take by taking that uh, that O. Uh, of Adesanya, of, of you know, he takes that. Uh, I'm, trying, I'm going to Adesanya now. Uh, he takes that. You know, he's not undefeated, but gets a rotation of a guy who who beat an undefeated guy and takes it. But I don't know. I I, I don't think it works out that way. Th- there's a lot that's going to take. I think for uh, Jan to become a star, beating uh, Izzy will certainly help that a lot. It, that that looming. There's also just that looming. Like, man, is it, will John Jones ever go back down to 205? Probably not. That's the win that I think that that Jan really has has wanted for a long time. That's the one that would really help him. But uh, I, I think he he gets elevated a bit with the win over over Izzy. But I think uh, more so having a long run at two hundred five uh, and knocking off some of the uh, you know what's kind of becoming a lively division, uh, one that hasn't been in in recent years. I think that is actually what's is what's going to make people appreciate him more. For now, though, you know he has a chance to cement his reputation as the ultimate spoiler. I mean, he's been the underdog in so many fights. He's certainly the underdog going into this one, I believe, uh, at least as far as star power. And uh, man, no, no one will take that away from him. I mean, he'll have that forever as being one, one of not just the greatest spoiler today, but one of the greatest spoilers in, in UFC history if he beats uh, Israel Adesanya. Okay, let me ask you this. And you know I try to stay as positive as possible. And I think this is worth mentioning considering this fight and everything that's on the line here. Who does a loss hurt more here? Is it Blahovich losing the title against the middleweight or 
is it Adesanya who isn't defending a belt, but he's taking this risk. He's going up in weight. He's trying to make history. He's undefeated. Who loses more here on Saturday, Blahovich or Adesanya? Yeah, look, I, we're always going to say uh, how it how it happens matters, uh, but definitely uh, if, if if all things are oh, am I uh, am I losing? Oh, there we go. Sorry, guys, thought my connection broke there. Uh, if all things are equal, you know, uh, then I would say you know in a void uh, that Blahovich will lose more. There just is that sense, you know, he didn't beat the champ. He beat Dominic Reyes to win. And it was a dominant performance over Reyes. But, you know, again, didn't, I mentioned before, John Jones didn't beat the champ. There's always going to be that question. Loses in his first defense, there's always going to be that, the quote-unquote paper champ thing, which I don't believe in. Uh, I think once you win it, you win it. But obviously a lot of people uh, like to see at least one defense to, to uh, you know, legitimize your championship, uh, which is, you know, has something that's come in discussion this week also with uh, Piotr Jan. And, and also... For a smaller guy to come up to, to your weight class and take your title, it just it just hurts so much. And like we said, he's already not a big star. Because uh, uh, on the flip side, Izzy, look, he can he has the option going back, going back down to 185. I feel like there's still heat with John Jones that could be resolved someday. He's got the kind of personality uh, which is larger than life. He's he's built this enormous fan base that, that Jan just doesn't have yet. So Jan really, I think, really really needs this win and needs to get needs to get this title defense uh, more so than two. I think I think Izzy, it'll hurt. There'll be a lot of people happy to see him lose. A lot of people see the quote-unquote hype train derailed. A few wins at one he'll bounce back. What do you think about that, Matt? Who suffers more from defeat on Saturday? Would it be Bohovic or Adesanya? Um, I think they both suffer quite a bit, but I think it's got to be Jan, right? Because Jan is the guy that won the title when John Jones vacated it. So people already have it in their mind that, oh, he didn't beat the real guy that was the champ, right? So if he goes out there and loses to the guy from the lighter weight class, although Adesanya did compete in, at heavyweight back in his kickboxing days, that's not what we've seen from him in the UFC. So it's going to be an all-around bad look because he won the title, he won the vacant title, and then he lost it to the guy from the lighter weight class. So he's definitely got more to lose here, even though – you know, at the end of the day, Adesanya, if he lost, like I said a second ago, if he lost and had to go back to defend his title off of a loss, that's just that's that's got to mess with you a little bit psychologically. And I don't know how you promote that if you're the UFC going forward. So it, it's it's weird for both. But I say more so for Jan than anything. We got Matt's take on this sort of AK. So I want to wrap with you on this part, because. You know, Eugene Berriman said several weeks ago that Adesanya is not going to bulk up. He's going to keep the same frame. And then Israel told ESPN earlier this week that he might weigh in tomorrow on 193 pounds for this fight. So, A, do you believe him? And B, what do you make of this strategy if he does come in and weigh in at like 193, 195 tomorrow? Uh, I think he's going to come in a little heavier than 193. I don't believe that he's co- he's coming in that small. I think there's, he, there's a little bit of talk again, some Adesanya, uh, Adesanya mind games, Adesanya talk going on there again, which he's very good at. I think it's a mixture of good soundbite. Uh, you know, he's talking to ESPN. He wants to, he wants to give them something to talk about. Give us all in the media something to talk about. So thank you, Izzy, for bringing that up. Uh, but I, but I, I do like the fact that he it doesn't sound like he's planning to bulk up all the way up to 205. And then I think that makes a lot of sense. We've seen we've seen uh, fighters go up to 205, and they just look kind of. They don't look great. They look they look like happy because they haven't had to cut weight, but they look a little sometimes some of them look a little out of shape, uh, depending which weight class they're going between. But usually 185, 205, 20 pounds of of not slimming down. It's it's noticeable. Uh and it and it can affect you. It can affect your rhythm, it can affect your uh your cardio, it can affect just 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 how you move. Uh, and and that's so important for a fighter like like Izzy. So 
it's not it's only been i think six months since his uh his last fight maybe less and that's just not a lot of time i think to to like bulk up get on like a weight a proper weight gain program and learn how to fight like that so i actually think it's a really smart move uh for him to come in lighter come in whatever's comfortable for him uh if he decides to make the jump to heavyweight one day that's obviously another story but 205 hey as long as he's under the limit whatever and, and he's comfortable more power to him. So I, I, I don't think, again, I think one day he was a little too slim. I think he'll be closer to 200, but I think he will be well, well under 205. Matt, over under 200 pounds on the scale tomorrow for Izzy. Under, under with confidence. Under with confidence. He's going to show up. He's going to show up ready to rock, man. And like he's been saying in all these interviews, you know, he's, he's going to be, you know, the, sk- the skinny guy just ready to go out there and just take his head off. So under, smooth and confident. There we go. Massive fight and a slew of other massive fights. Cannot wait to see it on Saturday. Of course, we'll talk a lot more about that fight and everything else. UFC 259 the couple, in a couple uh, over the next couple of days, excuse me, but more on this card, especially the two title fights coming up next. But the point for round number one on this number one contenders matchup goes to. Mr. Dallas, Texas himself, Matthew Wells, who's on the board. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. AK just, uh, you know, got his BTLing out of the way earlier, but now he's going to build that right back up, I guess. I'm, right a, here, I'm, right a slow, I'm a slow starter, Mike. We know this. I rarely win the first round. And by the way, I had to address one of the comments. Uh, <laughs> I, since we're doing this live, I see Isaac Perot saying, Alex is talking like I've, like you fought 40 times in the octagon. No, Isaac, I'm talking like someone who's put on weight. That's my. That's what I'm talking about. Not to, not for, has nothing to do with fighting. When I talk about move, moving differently, when you put on some pounds, I'm not talking about fighting. I'm just talking about life. So I'm talking about somebody who's put, like, who's put on some weight, not not fighting. But thank you for the comment. Oh man, well done, well done. As we go to round number two, we're gonna throw for the time being the main event right back into the mix. But we also have Amanda Nunez defending her featherweight title against Megan Anderson in the co-main event. Also, Piotr Jan defends his bantamweight title for the first time against Aljamain Sterling. Matt, we'll kick it off with you. Putting legacy, placement on the card, all of that aside, from just a purely competitive standpoint, which one of these three title fights interests you the most and why on Saturday? I think the easy answer out of all three is is Jan versus Izzy, but I'm going to say... Jan versus Sterling is more interesting because it's that true clash of styles that, you know, I hinted at earlier. 
we've got we've got the grappler versus the striker. You know, the striker that's you know super aggressive that puts on a lot of pressure, and, and the grappler that if he gets a hold of you, you might not get back off the canvas. So it's going to be interesting to see which guy can really you know get their game going first. I love what Aljamain does in the striking department because you know he's kind of spoke on it this week in in some of his interviews. He sets up things differently than anyone else. You know, he uses kicks to set up a lot of his stuff. He, he will he will kick to set up a takedown. He will kick to set up punches. It's usually the other way around, if anything. So he's got that funky style. I mean, obviously that goes right into his nickname, right? But if he can get a hold of Jan, I think it could be a very quick night. So Jan's got to be very cognizant of that. And if he can just kind of, you know, stay at range for a little bit and then slowly ramp up the volume as the fight goes on. I think he could, I think he could coast to a victory, but man, it's really the most interesting one to me because that classic grappler versus striker matchup, that's not anywhere else on the card. So it's gotta be that one. It's gotta be that one. What do you think AK, which taking sort of all the legacy stuff, the main events, you know, champion versus champion, all that stuff out of the equation, which one of these title fights interests you the most? What storyline kind of sticks out to you out of these three title fights? If you had asked me this like three weeks ago, I, I probably would have said uh, uh, Jan and uh, Jan Blachowicz and Israel Adesanya. But I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I've been reading a lot about it or just hearing from a lot from the two fighters. I am suddenly very, very intrigued by the Amanda Nunez uh, uh, Megan Anderson fight. I I don't know. I, I, there's a, for some reason there's a little bit of uh, upset potential here. I know she's the, the, clearly the biggest uh, underdog of the three challengers competing on Saturday, but I do think there's physical things she brings to this fight that Amanda Nunez has not seen before at 145 pounds. That's that's legitimate. I think if you just guys guys can look at who she's fought at 145, and really there aren't a lot of 145ers with uh, Anderson's uh, measurements and uh, combination of measurements and skill anyway, but definitely not anyone that that Amanda has fought. So that's a factor. Uh, I think Amanda's uh, one of the better finishers uh, in uh, at 145. Uh, I know it's the the heaviest women's division, but that doesn't mean everyone's always finishing fights up there. Uh, she certainly is one of them, and, she, and especially on the feet. And that's, again, this goes beyond a puncher's chance. It's cliche to say puncher's chance. I think she actually can, in a prolonged striking battle, win that against Amanda Nunez. Grappling is a huge issue. We've seen other, we've both of, uh, in both of uh, Megan Anderson's UFC losses, of course, she's been out grappled, and, and that's clearly a weakness. But uh, th- th- but that's what's so interesting to me, is I wonder if, if Amanda Nunez immediately goes that route, if she tries to test things out on the feet. Um, if she does it just to make things interesting for herself, being, being a champion for so long, um, you know, wanting to prove to people, because there were some people said, like, oh, you know, maybe she was outstruck by uh, Jermaine Durandamy, you know, things like that. And, and I don't know if she cares about that, but she might. You know, when, when you've been on top for that long, you got to find challenges for yourself. Uh, and also, again, what this means for the featherweight division is also interesting. Again, there is really no featherweight division in the UFC. But uh, if there were a new champion, it would breathe a little bit of life into it and maybe convince uh, the UFC to at least keep it on life support. Because if, if, if uh, Amanda Nunez wins and then again decides she, – she said all the right things about sticking around defending it. But uh, if she decides not to, the division is, is a wrap. I, Megan Anderson obviously would want to defend it at least two or three times before – I don't know before they before they have to make a decision about the division, but so yeah, it's it's got me, it's got me somehow more than more than the the Jan uh, Jan Blahovitz and Israel Adesanya fight, and more than the Piotr Jan Azamine Sterling fight. Something about this women's featherweight fight now has my attention. So uh, I'm going for that. I'm going for the one that I, I know most people wouldn't think, but I'm, I'm going to have my eyes on that fight. Sort of building on what AK just said, Matt. 
We got Amanda Nunez, obviously the biggest favorite on the card, although that line has shrunk a little bit from earlier this week. I think like on Monday or Tuesday, it was around a minus 1,400 for Nunez. It's down to a minus 1,000. Still massive, but Nunez has done it all at this point. She cemented her legacy. She's the greatest women's fighter of all time, one of the greatest to ever do it in general. She's got very little to prove here, Matt. She's a mom now. And Megan, which I think is so important heading into this fight, she is in a very, very good place mentally like she's a completely different person from a mental perspective than she was for the felicia spencer fight or any fight previous to that she's also extremely well coached she's very powerful and kind of like ak alluded to this might be her only chance to become a ufc world champion so let me ask you matt at plus 650 do you consider megan anderson a live underdog on saturday um how many different ways can i say no um, I'll just stick with no. Um, we're talking about, on one side, the GOAT, two-division champion, dominates everybody, you know, outside of her last fight where she said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and get some time in here and just uh, go ahead and go the distance here with uh, Felicia Spencer. But on the other end, we're talking about someone who lost to Cindy Dandois, and we're not really talking about the same thing here. So while Megan has improved quite a bit over the years, yes, I understand that she's in a great spot. She has improved. She's become a better striker. She's finished her last two fights. Um, looked great. But the levels just are not the same. And unless if Amanda Nunes comes in there, you know, drunk off a full bottle of wine, I don't see her <laughs> dropping her title any way, shape, or form. I just don't see it happening. Fair enough. Of course, let us talk about the Bantamweight title fight. We got Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling. And look, this is... This is just one of those fights where we just want to see it, right? Like we can break it down in so many ways, but it's a tremendous matchup that I just have to see what happens. Like when these two guys get in there, this is like Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat at WrestleMania three. This is the kind of fight that is like, forget Hogan and Andre Savage Steamboat. That's what Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling is. So AK, my one question about this fight in particular with this Bantamweight division being as stacked as it is, the players involved that are in line for a potential title shot, what result is best for the UFC, in your opinion? Best for this division, best for Vizdas? Jan defending his title or Sterling winning the title? I'm biased here, man. I'm 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 an Aljamain Ster. I'm a fan of both guys. I mean, both guys are incredible. For me, for me, I mean, based on merit, this is this is the uh, the most merit based. Can, can merit based have, a, have be quantified? This is the most merit based fight on on the card. Because, well, and I say only because I think a lot of us wanted, you know, thought that Gorbachev deserved a shot at. Uh, at Jan Blahovich before anyone else. We're certainly not arguing with an Izzy, Izzy uh, Adesanya Blahovich fight, but it does feel like Govichero got skipped over. Featherweight doesn't even have a real division. So, I mean, while Megan Anderson might be viewed as the number one contender, it's almost by default. And that's with respect to what she's done. There just is no rankings. There's literally no rankings. Um, so, this is really number one and number two, or actually champion and number one, uh, which is what we want to see. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I think Sterling has had the potential to be a star for so long. There have been stops and starts with the UFC pushing him. They did some good stuff uh, when it based out of New York. They did some good vignettes there. I love that stuff. Um, he talks a good game. Uh, he, uh, and, and again, I don't know if they're hoping, if they could hope that Piotr Jan has that kind of, you know, that stoic Russian 
Habib appeal? I don't think so. I think obviously they're completely different people. I wouldn't I wouldn't compare them that way. But maybe you know when you're the UFC marketing team, you try and find some similarities there to try and make a star in that way. But for me, Alzheimer's is is really has potential to be a very very big star. He's a fight finisher, has an exciting style. Um, even when it comes in terms of grappling, you know, some people uh, who are wrestlers get the reputation of being boring. That's not Aljamain at all. Uh, super aggressive, going for uh, submission over position. So uh, I think that with respect to Piotr Jan, because I think he could be a great champion if he defends a few times, bantamweight is so competitive, and I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people struggle uh, to hold on to this belt for a while. So I think Sterling can take it and and ride that uh, into uh, a very, very productive 2021 to the point where we might be talking about him as one of the fighters of the year. What do you think about this, Matt? Is it Jan? Is it Sterling that would be best for business? Or does it not even matter because this is like the intercontinental title division where like every fight, every match we could put together is just so great that this is just like the the competitive division and we just want to see damn good fights. This is like the co-main event division where you could put this in the co-main, a Bantamweight title fight in the co-main event of any massive card and we know it's going to deliver. What's the best case scenario or is there really no wrong or right answer here? You know, if the division wasn't as stacked as you alluded to there, I think the answer would would make more sense just to go with Aljamain Sterling um, because, you know, he is so much more marketable, in my opinion. Obviously, whenever you don't have to um, go through a translator for the American audience and you have a guy that really he really resonates when it whenever, you know, he speaks on the mic, he comes he comes across really well. He's well spoken. He has an awesome story. Um, I don't understand why he's not a bigger star than he is already, but he is the guy that I think would would absolutely carry the torch for this division. But but like you said, there's so many names um, right there waiting to get their shot. TJ Dillashaw coming back. Cody Garbrandt, you know, is always in the mix. There's just so many guys. Jose Aldo's still around, too, doing whatever, you know, he wants to do, it seems. It, there's just so many names in this division that can make any matchup interesting and, and very sellable because all of them make for great fights. But just to go back to the 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 core of the question, if Aljamain Sterling wins this, I think it's better for business for the UFC because you can do so much more with him. Um, marketing wise, you know, connecting with fans, he's got, he's got just a unique style, a unique look. Well, on the other side, you got, you got Peter Jan, who's just a, a quiet guy who hardly says anything. And then you have to go through a translator for him to connect with people in the States. So it's just two worlds of differences when you're talking about, selling to a crowd, selling to an audience uh, and try to connect it with people on social media as well. So I am sticking with Aljamain Sterling uh, being the bigger, the bigger uh, or the best for business winner here. Jan is, is at least trying to learn English, which is uh which is good. Like the last couple times I've interviewed him, like the first couple minutes have been English answers. And then, you know, once you build upon it, understandably so he has to, Got to go to the translator, and Syed's a great dude anyways. But, Matt, let me ask you this. Every fight outside of three title fights is under the radar because of how loaded and how great those title fights are. What's, like, the low-key under-the-radar fight on this 15-fight slate that just is not getting enough love here? Um, wow, the entire prelims? All of them? <laughs> um there's so many damn good fights on these prelims, man. Uh, wow. I, I'm going to go with, I guess, the easy answer, though. I'm going to take the easy way out on this one. It's got to be Dominic Cruz, who's on a prelim fight. Dominic Cruz, the, the fantastic commentator, the former champion, he's on the prelims leading into this fantastic main card. Um, 
last time I can think of something like that was, you know, way back at UFC 200 when you had all these former champions and stuff like that on the undercard. But Dominic Cruz being on the prelims, just something that I didn't think we would be seeing this soon. But, I mean, it makes sense given this card. And he's fighting a hell of a fighter in Casey Kenny, although a lot of people are really sour on Casey Kenny for his comments um, about Megan Anderson. But that has nothing to do with his fighting ability. It's going to be a fantastic fight. Um, it sucks that this one's only 15 minutes. So I think we're going to get shortchanged on what the possibility of this fight could be. But it, it could possibly steal fight of the night, even though it's only a three-rounder. We have, you know, three title fights at the top. What do you think, AK? Low-key, under-the-radar fight that's not getting enough love? I mean, you could even say one of the two main card fights outside of the title fights aren't getting that that illustrious steam, so to speak. So what do you think? Like, what, what's what's your, what's your what's the one you got your eye on that's just like, damn, this is really good, but no one's talking about it? Yeah, there's so many fights I'd love to see go five rounds. Cruz Kenny, obviously, one of them. Makachev and Dober, I think that would be a great five-round fight. Sonya Dong, Kyler Phillips, Benavidez, Askarov. Uh, but I'm going way deep. I'm going way deep with... I don't. I don't know if I go as far as to say this is the best one out of three title fights, but I'm so intrigued by this because I think this fight, for at least one of these guys, and we look back on it, we're going to see how important it was. I'm really going to. The, I'm going to the early prelims for a welterweight belt between Sean Brady and Jake Matthews. I I think Sean Brady is a future either champion or at least a, a, a title challenger. He just has all the tools you need. He has he has the the pedigree, um, but he's facing a super talented guy in Jake Matthews, who, who like has grown up before our eyes in the UFC. This guy was a, a boy when he joined the UFC, and he's went he's been through the ups and downs. He's 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 went between weight classes. He's finally found the right uh, the right spot for him. He looks mature. He looks uh, like he's in his physical prime. He's a really tough, and this is so. This is an important fight for him too. This is the fight that I think for Jake Matthews, and you you never want to count anyone out based on one fight. This is the fight for him where we we realize is this is this kid who was pegged as a, himself was pegged as a contender once upon a time. This this is real now. Now he's facing a guy who's coming to take that from him. Uh, and if Jake Matthews wins, it changes the whole story, it changes the whole narrative, and I think changes again the the the, the direction of the the sort of the low uh, mid tier uh, contenders in, in the welterweight division. Which again, I think Brady's ready to break free of that. But now, now we'll know. Uh, and if Jake Matthews beats him again, I know people might not be super familiar with Sean Brady yet, but it's a big, big win for Jake Matthews. It'll be four straight. It'll be a guy who, again, I against a guy who I think is a future champion. Um, and I just the fight will be awesome. I just, it's really fun to watch. So I'm going. Yeah, I'm going early prelims, guys. Tune into the early prelims for the fourth of like like the thirty fights that's happening on Saturday, uh, and make sure if you, you know if you if, if if you can't watch fifteen fights. Watch that one. Maybe take a break until like Benavidez comes out or something. But Sean Brady and uh, Jake Matthews, that's that's my sleeper here. Yeah, it's a good fight. There's so many good fights. It's such a good card. So, so good. But we'll uh, we'll move ahead. The point for round two goes to. AK, he has tied things up one to one. I couldn't, I couldn't fall behind two rounds to none. It's hard. I mean, it's, you oh can't you can't come back from that. It's very no, very, very not against, tough not to against do. Matt. Not against Matt. Maybe against yes. like a jet or well, something, but not against Matt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's hit the other big news of the week. We're going to start with Hamzat Shemayev, a man who last year we couldn't go a single show, no matter what it was, without mentioning that man's name from July on. But Guy's going through a rough patch right now, still dealing with lingering effects of COVID-19, some really scary stuff that he's been dealing with. And earlier this week, jumps on Instagram in a post that no longer exists and basically said, this is 
a tough situation health-wise, I think I'm done. I don't know when the disease is going to leave me, but I think I'm done. And then hours later, Dana White talks to MMA Junkie and says, look, he's sick. He can't train as much as he wants to. He's frustrated. This is an emotional message. He's not done. He's not quitting. So, AK, let's begin with you. One, what did you make of Shemaev's post? And subsequently, Dana White coming out hours later and saying he's not done. He's just being emotional. Sort of a stance that he mimicked during the press conference today as well. Look, my initial reaction was I I did not think it was a retirement post. I I, I kind of I'm I'm and I'm, I'm going to get this out of the way now. Obviously, I hate to I hate to agree necessarily with uh, White's Dana White's more broad comments, and I certainly don't want to agree with uh, Ramzan Kadyrov. But uh, I did think at the moment this is this is a guy who's struggling uh, with something very difficult. Um, and he's maybe not handling it in the best way. And look, we live in the age of social media where you can share any thoughts you want. So, uh, so yeah, this was him saying, I'm really frustrated. Um, and, and I think in his mind, I, I also think the thoughts are very realistic, by the way, I think in his mind, he was, he, he at least had a, a moment where he was like, if I can't take this anymore and I choose to retire today, I'm going to be okay with that. So that's why I feel comfortable writing this. Um, but 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 I again I, I don't I don't think it was it was meant to be telling everyone like for sure I'm done. Uh, but I, I the people would take away from it that uh, you know how serious this is. He's definitely one of the one of the biggest uh, most public cases we've had in the UFC. Cody Garbrandt's out there too, though he's kind of handling it in an up and down way. But we know he had a pretty bad case last year. Kevin Holland has talked about it also kind of in a not great way. Uh, but uh, and, and so I don't I also don't completely disagree with uh what dana white is saying about about that you know they're going to treat him and they're going to take care of him and, and hopefully he'll fight again it's not surprising at all this is the white stand the, the stance that dana white has taken when you consider how he's handled the habib news i mean habib is he retired in october and he still isn't giving up on it so if you think he was just going to read an instagram post and think that uh that hamza was done then you're crazy because that's that's clearly means nothing to him so uh yeah no, I, I i was surprised but uh as far as MMA retirements go, I kind of view this as almost as one of those. Uh, and again, he didn't even say retire. It was like a thank you for, <laughs> it was a strongly hinting at it. Um, uh, and the stuff from Kirov is just whatever. That's just the, uh, I suppose the, the quote unquote glorious leader of Chechnya. Some might should say horrible dictator. Uh, so I would take, I would just really ignore whatever comments he, he makes about the situation. Obviously for his sake, he wants to say that Hamzad is uh, whatever, a strong representative of, of Chechnya or something like that. But uh, no, but so, no. So I guess I'm, I'm in the argument that uh, I don't, I don't think Hamzad's done. What did you think of the Instagram post, Matt? Did you think like immediately, like this is a retirement post? Was it just, did you agree with Dana that it was frustration? And how do you feel that, Dana reacted to the whole thing coming out immediately and trying to sort of cut it off. No, when I first saw it, I thought I was like, man, the guy's really, really going through it. Right. With, with COVID because, you know, he had the Leon Edwards fight rescheduled three times. The first time was because of the Leon dealing with COVID. And then the, the second two times because of his issues. So I thought, man, this guy's really just not feeling well at all. So I thought maybe, you know, he knows what his body is trying to tell him that, you know, I just need to get this statement out here so I can distance myself from the whole MMA world right now. I didn't think it was going to be like a real, like 100% retirement because we never get those in MMA for the most part. So I thought it was just one of those things that he's like, I'm going to put this out here so everybody can stop having expectations of when I'm going to return, when I'm going to, you know, have this fight against Leon rebooked again, you know, for the fourth time. Um, 
So I thought that it was kind of, I thought it was kind of weird just to obviously see that pop up, but I, I didn't think that, you know, it was a thing that <laughs> Dana White would come out so immediately and just be like, oh, he's just being emotional, you know, sort of thing. Like, I think the guy was actually trying to tell everyone that, hey, my body does not feel good. Um, I'm coughing up blood in the sink. I, I, here's the picture of that too. I put it on my story. You know, <laughs> he's like, I'm not dealing with this very well, people. Like, can can you can you leave me alone for a minute? And then, of course, Kadyrov jumps on his back as well, putting all the pressure of the world of his entire, you know, nation of people on him, saying all Chechnyans uh, are, you know, waiting for your return and want to see you compete. That that message coming from that guy, the guy who has sanctions on him from the U.S. government for extrajudicial killings, like that's that's a whole different level of pressure. And, and like Alex kind of mentioned there, that post is gone now. So <laughs> I, I wonder why when we hear those comments from a murderous dictator out there putting pressure on him, it just sucks, man, because he's in a very bad spot right now. Because not only dealing with that, he's going to have to be ready, like not, not even ready, but he's going to be forced back into action before I think he's ready to return just to prove to Kadyrov and, and Dana White that, yeah, I, I, could, I could still compete. And of all people in the UFC, of all people in the UFC, we're talking about Hamza Chemaev, a guy who nobody knew before 2019, burst onto the scene last year in 2020, rattled off three fights in a row, three finishes, and you, you want to tell me that all of a sudden that guy doesn't want to compete? No, I think that guy, if he was ready to fight and felt that he was ready to fight, he would be beaten down the door. Like, yes, I'm good. I'm ready. I think that guy knows when he's ready to compete more than anyone else. So that's just, it's, it's wild to me that everyone's just scoffing at it. Be like, oh, no, you're not done. Like, how about give this guy some time and let him figure things out on his own? <laughs> hey, round of applause, round of applause. Let me ask you this, Matt. Do you think he fights this year? Do you think we see him this year? Man, considering all the pressure that's on him, possibly, maybe like fourth quarter of the year, we could probably see him return. But again, that all depends on his health. You know, if, if if this guy just never recovers to the point to where he can't get through a training session without feeling like he's going to die, like we've also seen evidence of re in recent days, there, there's really no telling. But I mean, assuming that he's able to recover at least to maybe like 80, 90 percent, then, yeah, he'll compete as soon as as soon as possible. But, man, let's just leave the guy alone for a little bit. What do you think, AK? Do you think he fights this year? That Matt would even suggest that Hamzat will fight again this year is, is such a is a callous, almost Dana White-esque disregard for uh, even with the disclaimers, Matt. I, I hear you saying that you actually want you want to see him fight, and I get it. We all want to see him fight. No, he's not fighting again this year. You mentioned the coughing up the blood. We mentioned the this weird pressure he's getting from from this horrible dictator. No, I I would be surprised. It it, uh, it does sound like again, the you know he wants to. It does sound like that's part of the reason he's having some complications. Uh, but no, I I what we're I mean it's a long way to go. I guess we got what ten months, uh, nine months left in the year, uh, not counting March. So, uh, no, I think. Uh, we're not going to see comms out this year. Stop it. Let's let's let yeah. Let's I, the one thing we, we do agree on. Let's let this guy sort out his life. But I don't even want to speculate if he's coming back. Unlike some of the more uh, careless members of the 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 so-called MMA media. So uh, I uh, no no comms out this year. At the end of the day, no matter what happens, here's hoping Shemayev comes out of this okay and is healthy and can live the best life he can, whether he fights or not. 
But if he doesn't fight again, guys had a hell of a run. All right. I mean, talk about a guy who made an immediate impact and we'll have a memorable one at that. I mean, we'll see what happens with this whole situation as we move on to some more massive news, but I want to get your takes on that. The point for round three goes to. I mean, how can I not give it to Matt after getting a round of applause from the, from the live studio audience? I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> thank you. Thank it's like you. Al Bun- it. It's like Al Bundy just walked into the house for the first time on an episode of Married with Children. I have to give him the point. But uh, let's head to the final round of regulation because yesterday we found out that the UFC's heavyweight rankings were missing some big veteran names and it turns out the reason for that was because they are no longer with the company so we confirmed last night following an initial report from Kambache that Junior Dos Santos and Alistair Overeem are no longer with the UFC of course JDS former world champion and according to ESPN's Ariel Hawani JDS was offered a fight with Marcin Tybora at UFC 260 at the end of the month JDS said no and was ultimately released after that. Overeem, of course, is a legend. He was going for that last run at the UFC title, then he was stopped by Alexander Volkov last month. So, Matt, let us begin with you. Were you surprised that the UFC released these two fighters? How did you react to this news last night? Um, I was not surprised. I was more so disappointed and, and heartbroken in a way. You know, these are two of my favorite heavyweights around. I think uh, a lot of fans would feel the same way. Uh, with Junior Dos Santos being the nicest guy in the sport all around. Um, it's not a surprise because when guys like myself and fellow MMA media are talking about how exciting the heavyweight division is with all these up-and-comers right now, it's not a surprise that they you know, decided to go ahead and cut off two of the highest-paid guys that aren't exactly knocking on the door of a title shot anytime soon. So that did not surprise me by any means. It's it's It just sucks because <laughs> I love seeing these guys compete. There was, there was a time when I thought, and a lot of us thought, that Alistair Overeem may have never even made it to the UFC. So he, he made it in, finally. Everyone thought he was going to win the title. He actually never made good on that. Um, so that kind of stinks to, to never see that guy when he came in with all the promise in the world, when he just starched Brock Lesnar, storming out of the gates. Everybody thought he was going to be a champion someday, and it just never came to fruition for him. Um, it, it sucks, man, because... Like I said, these are two legends of the game, two legends. Um, And unfortunately, like everyone, everyone gets old. Everyone's going to start getting hit more, no matter how many different ways you try to reinvent yourself. If you're Alistair Overeem, um, Junior Dos Santos just taking four L's in a row. Both of these guys just make too much money for it to make sense for the UFC to keep them around right now. Like I said, with all of this new, exciting talent in the heavyweight division coming up. So they can go the cheaper route and still keep the interest in the division. And, you know, unfortunately, one champion in Junior Dos Santos, you know, former Nike-sponsored athlete for a brief period of time there, he's gone on to who knows what. And uh, same with Overeem, man. Pride legend, he's out the door too. So make way for the young up-and-comers in the UFC heavyweight division. AK, how did you react to this news? 
Well, I can I can say I was more surprised certainly by the Overeem release than the uh, Junior Dos Santos release. Junior Dos Santos, yeah, not so much of a surprise. Four straight losses all by uh, all by finish. So uh, I can't I can't criticize the UFC too hard for that one. Despite the fact that we all love Junior, you know, Junior Junior's a fan favorite, always an exciting fighter. Uh, but four straight losses, four straight losses. If anything, he he probably might have got a longer leash than than most would, right? Um, Alistair, I I I am surprised. It, yes, there, he's a big ticket item. I think it's well. Well documented that he's one of the uh, more uh, well compensated fighters in the UFC, so it kind of makes sense that they could, you know, you know, cut some expenses, uh, make and like we said, make room for some other names. But boy, but getting rid of both of them right now, I think it's a bit premature. I think, uh, you know, we talked about some of the. I looked at the rankings uh, today, and I was like, some of the names that are now like like Chris Dacus is now a top ten heavyweight uh, just by default, just by default of names ahead of him uh, being removed. So uh, that's. It doesn't sound right, and we we like Chris Dacus. We know again a guy who could contend someday. It does. It, calling him a top ten heavyweight now seems odd, um, and I would have liked to have seen him earn that status with a win over like a JDS over an Alistair Overeem. So that's the use you have for keeping these guys around. So uh, I, I, I'm I was I was a little bit surprised by Overeem, and and even to some degree by JDS. Like I said, less so, but I think these guys still have a use. At the same time, if you're the UFC, I think you don't want to be liable for some of the damage that these guys keep taking. Because again, with respect to Junior Dos Santos, he's getting he's getting hit a lot. Uh, he's getting hit more than he used to, and he can't take a punch like he used to. That's a bad combination. If the UFC, you don't want to be. Unfortunately, you probably don't want to be in the business with that anymore. Uh, so yeah, I'll I'll go kind of fifty fifty surprised. I still think uh, Alistair Overeem should have been kept. And uh, frankly, we it, the fact that we might never see Alistair Overeem, Derek Lewis, makes me super sad. Let me let, let, let me let me ask you this, AK, because I, I think we all throw out some some different sorts of words to describe these releases, like sad, heartbroken, sucks. Is relieved kind of a fair word to use? Because like you just said, we I mean we 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 do on to the next one. And every time we bring up JDS for some of these up-and-coming guys, we're like, ugh, do we really want to see JDS fight Chris Dacus or fight Tom Aspinall and you know, maybe get knocked out again? Same with Overeem, like he's been knocked out a lot in his career. Like we hate to see these guys, you know, lose their jobs and and not make money, but obviously MMA is a big space and there's some organizations that could use the services of both of these guys. But was there a part of you that was like deep down kind of relieved that this news came out because now they're not going to take this damage that we're so worried about? Uh, no, I'm not relieved. I'm not relieved because uh, they're going to take the damage somewhere else. Uh, I'm the Prince of positivity, Mike. I, 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 I hate cynicism. I don't mean to be cynical. We have not seen the last of these two guys fighting. I re- Junior, definitely not. Junior is full of, uh, pardon my language, piss and vinegar. He wants to fight again, and uh, he's going to find somewhere to do it. Maybe it's Bellator, as I'm sure everyone's already joking about. Uh, maybe it's some other. Maybe he goes to one championship. Maybe he goes to Ryzen. And, of course, speaking of Ryzen, it seems likely that we might see Alistair Overeem go over there. He's a star in Japan. He has a relationship with uh, Saki Kibara, uh, who is you know, from the Pride days. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a strong chance we see him compete again. So, uh, no, I'm not relieved at all. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a different stage that these guys would like to get their faces punched in again, uh, as horrible as that sounds. So, uh, and even sicker, I'll probably be watching. So no, no, no relief, no relief over here, Mike. Any relief from you, Matt? I mean, I hate even asking this question, but it's, a, it was a popular sentiment on social media is like, Oh, I mean, now JDS isn't going to get knocked up by Chris Dawkins or something. You hate to see that with these two guys with their legendary statures, but it was a part of you like, oh, now we, at least we don't get to see Overeem or JDS fight Dacus or Aspinall or Alexander Romanoff or any of these up and coming grizzly heavyweights. Yeah, part of part of me was like that. 
Um, because all of these guys that that Junior's been fighting, for example, are just fantastic strikers who go and take off your head, right? So yeah, it's it's guys that that are headhunting, and I mean that's really pretty much the top of the heavyweight division in the UFC because the UFC has built their division around exciting, you know, knockout artists. So there's there's greener pastures for him, I think, in other organizations where there's not so many heavyweight, you know, knockout just brutal, like knock your head off type guys like Francis Ngannou's and, and, you know, the, uh, you know, Cyril Gonsford and Yajidio Rosen strikes. Like there's not those guys out there. You know, if you look at the PFL roster, for example, that's a heavy, a heavy grappling, you know, division like right there, because they're, they're obviously in a, in a tournament format. So you're going to have a lot of grapplers there. If he ends up on the PFL roster next season and, you know, that roster stays pretty much the same. I like his chances there because he's not really going to face guys that are going to go and try to knock his block off. He's going to face guys that are going to try to wrestle him to death. So I think he could take that year off and really come back refreshed and ready to go again, especially if he wants to compete. So it's, it's, there's a lot of good options for him in particular. Overeem, I don't know what you do with Overeem at this point. Um, yeah, he's looked a lot better than, than Junior. So I, I don't know, want to say I'm relieved for him because I still think he could beat most of the top 15 you know, on, on the right night, but it just depends on how he approaches things because in his last fight, when we you know he shells up against the fence 20 seconds in, you're like, okay, what are we doing here? Um, so I guess a little bit of relief for both, but more so for junior, um, just because I think that if he wants to compete, he can still go make money elsewhere and, uh, have a better chance at being successful at this point. Matt, if you were like the commissioner of MMA right now and you had the, the, the foresight to put these guys in an organization where they best see fit. Seems like JDS at the PFL sounds like a good place for you. But if you're the commissioner of, of mixed martial arts and you get Alistair Overeem, not with the UFC, what would you like to see for him? Like perfect world. Where would you like to see him fight? The perfect scenario for Alistair Overeem. There's only one answer and it's a new year's Eve show against Fedor in some form or fashion. The fight we never got. I don't care if these two guys are 65 years old, just make it happen. I don't care if it ends up looking like Chuck versus Tito. And, and, you know, you got, you know, Oscar De La Hoya there mispronouncing their names. Just make the fight happen in some way. Opportunity to make it happen. So that's, that's the only thing for Alistair Overeem. Nothing else. Just wait until that happens. Shut the doors on any other talks. I don't want to hear anything else. That's it. Overeem versus Fedor. Make it happen. I assume you're in a similar boat, AK, but I'll, I'll get your take on that. And what about JDS? Commissioner Lee, where where does JDS go from here? Uh, first of all, I'm not in a similar boat on the Overeem thing. Uh, I, I mean, I think it's I think the rising year ends. Do you want, do you want my uh, Overeem suggestion now, or would you like to hear JDS first? Let's hear them both. <laughs> well, let's go over him. We'll go with over him first. Obviously, look, Ryzen, uh, yeah, Ryzen, you're on show. Awesome, awesome idea. That's that's nine months away. There's plenty of time for uh, over him to do some damage somewhere else in, in the meantime. I I think we need to see him team up with Fight Circus. I think he's done it all. He's he's almost done it all. You know, we talk about fighters who have done it all. He's almost done it all in combat sports. He has not fought more than one opponent at a time. And uh, shout outs to uh, my boy, John Nutt from uh, Full Metal Jojo for bringing this up on Twitter earlier today and saying, we need to see him go up against the two-on-one champions. Uh, these two guys, I think they're, I think they're both breakdancers, not fighters. They're called Bank and No Money. Uh, I don't know what their government names are. Uh, they may be criminals who are in hiding, to be honest with you. We may never not know their actual names. But 
they uh, they have ha- they have shown how effective a two on one style can be, how difficult it is to fight multiple people. But the guy they beat up was nowhere on the level of an Alistair Overeem. So I would love to see uh, Overeem just head over to Bangkok just for one night only and and do it do a two on one fight. I'm not saying you're asking if I was the commissioner of MMA, this would happen. I'm sorry, this would happen. Ryzen, whatever, that'll happen too. That's great. <laughs> two on one for Alistair Overeem. The second the second thing uh, for JDS, <laughs> I don't want this, but guys, I feel like we're maybe a few months away from the bare knuckle boxing debut of uh, Junior Dos Santos. I mean, he's ta- I'm just saying, he's talked about wanting to do boxing before. Okay, this is not new. He's, he said he's wanted to box before. He's a huge, huge boxing fan. He's always wanted to box. Um, and look, and maybe there's a big money uh, boxing fight out there for him. Maybe, tr- maybe he gets a call from Triller instead. Maybe he doesn't have to, uh, doesn't have to venture into bare knuckle boxing. But if he does, that option is certainly there. Frank Amir's doing it. So let's not act like uh, UFC champions wouldn't consider it. And I think Junior, man, he'd bring he'd bring a real spark to that uh, to to the BKFC. So I'm going way outside the box here, and I think before it's said and done, I would like to see uh, Fight Circus, Alistair Overeem, and I would like to see uh, Junior Dos Santos in uh, bare knuckle boxing. I'm sick like that. <laughs> wow, I would say that that answer was more surprising than the releases themselves. Like I wasn't shocked by it. I'm, I'm pretty shocked by that answer. Okay, both of them. For being on. now, what is your take on on AK's uh, commissionership? I mean, it makes sense why AK Lee is the most wanted man on Dana White hit pieces because <laughs> he comes up with ridiculous <laughs> ideas like this. My goodness! Um, listen, I don't want to see Junior. Do- I don't want to see Junior in action in any way, shape, or form for at least a year because this man has taken out. He's taken three knockout losses in a calendar year. Let the man go sit, regroup, and then assess things again. And in, in all seriousness, like I said a second ago, take a look at the PFL when he's ready to come back, because that's that's an opportunity to make a lot of money with the least risk, I think. Um, just wow. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. So, yeah, if it's nine months for for uh, Overeem as well, that's perfect because we can all grow in anticipation. Just imagine if that fight gets announced in, I don't know, June. You got you got months to build build the anticipation. They can build a massive card around that. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. People, don't rush Junior Dos Santos back into action, please. Please don't go do bare knuckle boxing. Ah, man, just just let him chill out for a little bit and let his brain recover. My goodness, that news hit me in the feels last night. I will say that, but uh, nothing but the best of both of those guys. We'll see where they go. And hearing those answers, we could see anything anything for these guys so uh but in terms of this particular matchup the point for round four goes to i gotta give it to ak thinking outside the box chaos duval Uh, shout out to duval i mean that's (laughs) uh i mean ak said (laughs) people who have watched the show from the very beginning AK could have said anything there, and he's probably getting the point just because we got to go to the knockout no, round because that's no, what people pay to see. Don't say people that. People pay to see it. Listen, I'm a I'm a I'm a wimp. I don't want to make the decision on who wins and loses. <laughs> we leave it to everybody else to do that. So uh, that means it's we're on to, <laughs> we're on to the knockout round. All right. So both of these great competitors are going to answer one more question, and they have no idea what the question is going to be, and. We're going to leave it to chance, my friends. Expanding, shuffling up the deck once again for the knockout round. Once the question is asked, 
Each competitor will have 60 seconds to answer the question once that is done. With the help of our viewing audience, Judge E. Casey Lydon will render the final decision to crown a new number one contender to come back next week and challenge Jose Youngs for the BTL title. We're going to decide it this way. AK, I need a number between 1 and 25. 11. Matt. Seven to match the amount of losses that he has on the show. Wow. <laughs> Seven is Ow. exactly right. It is exactly Ow. right. Wow. You thought Unreal. on the screen that it popped into your head. That's <laughs> that is unbelievable. Wow. That's crazy. All right. So, Matt, here's the deal. I'm going to give you the choice. You can either decide whether or not you want to go first and you can pass that or you can pass that decision along or you get to pick the question based on the name of the category. So do you want to choose whether you go first or last or do you want to pick the question based on the name of the category? No, I'll I'll go last. Okay. <laughs> you, Matt, you fool. <laughs> That's, <laughs> what you <think. laughs> That's what you think. That's what you think. You 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 don't know they call me Alex Go First Lee when I'm on the that's I, I always go first on the show that's exactly what I wanted oh ah, it's like I it's right like I picked the right number <laughs> <laughs> all right so AK now you get to go first and you get to pick the category so the two categories are number one is it fair is it fair with a question mark the other the golden trifecta. Ooh, both those sounds so so compelling, Mike. Okay, I'm visualizing two doors in front of me, and I, uh, you know, it jumped out of me. Is it fair? Give me, is it fair? I'm intrigued. All right, is it fair? Is it fair? All right, AK. Last weekend, we saw Surreal Gone enter the octagon for his first main event. Takes on Jarzinho Rosenstrike, pitches a shutout, fifty forty five across the board. He's eight zero now. On to bigger and better things. However, the performance has been picked apart. It has been chastised. People saying it was boring. Not the showing one should have had in this position. So the question is, AK, is it fair to criticize Cyril Gan's performance in his first main event last weekend at UFC Vegas 20? We got one minute on the clock. Your time starts now. Mike, it is more than fair. I say this as a huge fan of Gon, as someone who is, you know, has uh, kept up with him before he came to the UFC. I saw all those high videos and so jazzed on him coming. So, look, he put on the he had to, he had to do to win, and that's great for him. Is it fair to criticize him? Yes, it is. It was not an entertaining fight. I, 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 I do. I look. I, I'm not saying that this should derail his hype or anything like that. But if if you're a fan and you're questioning his entertainment value, if you're questioning whether it was worth your time to watch the fight, if you're questioning whether you want to fight this guy again, those are legitimate questions. That's that's the kind of performance that 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 raises those questions. If he gets another dangerous opponent, what it, what is uh you know we didn't see anything that has that tells us oh, okay well next time he's going to open up next time he's going to open up and do something crazy. No, he'll probably fight this way again because he's very smart. He's talented. He's more athletic than most guys at heavyweight. He can control fights like this. So it's like the second time of the show. I'm agreeing with Dana White. Congratulations on the win. But he could have done more entertainment wise. And that's perfect thing to say. I have no argument with that. All right. AK going first. Alex going first. Lee, 
We turn it on over to Matthew Wells. Same question. He decided to go last using the champion's prerogative, so to speak. Maybe some practice for the near future. Cyril Gahn's performance, 50-45 shutout win. Is it fair to criticize Gahn on this performance and in this fight at UFC Vegas 20 last weekend? One minute on the clock. Your time starts now. It takes two to tango, and Jarzinho was not dancing. So no, you cannot be hardcore on Cyril Gahn for his performance when he was the one pushing the action the entire 25 minutes. And oh, by the way, I think I can count on, I don't know, maybe half of one hand, how many heavyweights can go 25 minutes and still look like they can go another 25 minutes. The, the backlash from this performance doesn't make any sense to me. The guy is only, he only has eight fights in, the, in his whole career. He's still very much a work in progress. And he just tuned up one of the, you know, most feared strikers in the heavyweight division, made it look easy and and has room to spare. The guy is very much still a, a youthful product in this heavyweight division. So please, people. 25 and look fresh. There you go. We have our answers. I will say Golden Trifecta was making a pick between the three brand new title fights that were announced last week on what was the more fascinating between Shevchenko and Andrade, uh, Zhang Weili, Nama Yunus, and then the rematch between Figueredo and Brandon Moreno. But I like this question as well, since you didn't get really a chance to talk about UFC Vegas 20, so that worked out. So we have our answers. We're going to turn it over to Casey and the peeps in a moment. Leave your rulings in the chat. If you thought Matt won, say Matt won. If you thought AK won, say AK won. While we're catching up on those, just a reminder, lots of stuff coming your way on this here channel. Tomorrow, we'll have the UFC 259 weigh-in show, noon Eastern time. The 30 fighters involved are scheduled to hit the scales. Actually, 31, because Glover Teixeira is weighing in as well. So we'll also have the face-offs. I believe there's going to be a talent media day. Plus, we'll have our preview show. And then Saturday, we'll have our pre-fight show 30 minutes before the event begins. We'll also be joined on that by... UFC Bantamweight Raging Panda Julia Avila, which will be a lot of fun. She is a she's a hoot. She is a hoot. So make sure you join us for that. Also, all the post-fight interviews, press conference, post-fight show, and more. On to the next one on Sunday. So strap in. Lots of content coming your way. And you can also go back into the archives. We've got interviews with Jan Bohovic, with Israel Adesanya, Piotr Jan, Aljamain Sterling, Casey Kenny, and many, many more. So you can go back into the archives. John Anik is up there. And also I talked to the, the legendary Bruce Buffer yesterday. So look for that conversation previewing UFC 259 coming up uh, probably tomorrow, I would guess. But uh, with that being said, the peeps have hopefully caught up with their picks. Let us turn it on over to the judge, the jury, the executive producer, Mr. E. Casey Lydon. Have you reached a decision, sir? Yes, I have, Mr. Heck. Yes, I have. <clears throat> This one was pretty simple. <laughs> Your winner. And now, 1-0 and on BTL, Mr. Matt Wells. Wow! He gets it done. <laughs> wow. Unreal. AK, we're going to give you a chance to to speak in a matter of moments. But Matt, congratulations on the win. You now get to face Jose Young's next week for the 
most coveted title in all of MMA media, the Between the Links Championship of the Universe. You don't get any money, you don't get any prizes, but you do get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of mixed martial arts. The floor is yours. Yeah, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show here today. You know, in the world of MMA, we don't get many tune-up fights, but I got one today on this show. So I appreciate it. I look forward to the to the main event with Jose in the very near future. Shout out to Alex Ben. I love you. Um, you're you're a great competitor, man. Take take the losses with uh with with grace. I do appreciate it. But man, I'm just I'm just excited for this weekend's card, man. It's a it's a fantastic card. One thing I do hate about three title fight cards, though, is one does seem to fly under the radar a little bit. And it kind of hit me when I was watching the press conference today with Jan and Sterling just kind of in the back, kind of a little bit forgotten. I wish they had more of a bigger stage, more of that main spotlight to really highlight what these two guys can do. I've been rocking with Aljamain Sterling for the first time I saw him, uh, you know, slap in that arm triangle from the bottom of uh, I've just been a fan of his for forever. So for him to have this opportunity, man, I hope he comes through and fulfills that promise. Uh, He's a fantastic competitor, all around great dude. And I hope people start to resonate with his personality more and and recognize what a great dude this guy is. So he's one of the good guys in the sport, man. And again, just looking forward to this great card. Thank you guys once again. Thank you for all the competitors in, in, in the past that have now witnessed my appearance, my arrival on this show. There you go. AK, what would you like to say? I mean, your record uh, says up there it's two and eight, but you are the best two and eight competitor it. in the history, in, in the history of, uh, of debate shows or any sports in general. Uh, what would you like to say about Casey's decision here? You know what? Congratulations to Matt. It was a, there it is, two and eight. It was a pleasure just to get to spend this time with Matt again. Uh, we've interacted, you know, we, again, we met a long time ago. We've interacted a few times on Twitter. It's, it was great to actually get to do a show with you again, man. That was so much fun. Uh, and I will say, guys, don't worry. I'll get over it soon. I've actually, I, I, I've actually booked another fight, uh, or another BTL with a guy, uh, like in the, in the back alley in a couple of days. So I'll be right back in the winning track. Don't worry. Uh, you'll, you'll find me on BTL contender series soon. I'll find my way back to another contract. You've not seen the last of me. <laughs> Oh, man. Of course, my seven-year-old's like, you know, I'm going to start bouncing balls and slamming shit upstairs. So thank you very much, Grayson. But that's going to do it for the show this week. Get some rest, everybody. Fight week gets a little crazier starting tomorrow. So join us for all things UFC 259. Until then, for AK, Matthew Wells, Casey Lydon, I am Mike Heck, the iconic voice of Esterlin takes you home. We'll see you next week right here between the links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links. I'm Esther Lynn. You know this because I'm saying my name. Thanks for watching. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.